0: This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the Battle of Ideas. Eden McCourt, thank you for joining me in the trenches.
1: Thank you for having me. Nice to speak to you again after the other day on the radio.
0: Yes, this time we can actually see each other properly.
1: Yes. Yes, absolutely. And everyone can see me, which is a bit of a shame for them, but oh well. That's <laughs> how it lays out.
0: I wanted to tell you uh, on TNT when we spoke the other day that I absolutely love your accent. Thank
1: you. Thank you. I love yours. South African. Yes. It is. What part of South Africa?
0: Uh, I'm at the very bottom tip. I'm in Cape Town
1: okay oh nice okay so let me tell you my dilemma Mm. i really want to visit south africa but it's one of those countries that i don't know much about the only thing i know about it is that you have that bay of sharks or whatever it's called like with the most amount of sharks in one area of the water like in the world which absolutely petrifies me and therefore i feel like maybe i shouldn't go there but i don't really know what goes on in south africa it's just i don't know okay
0: (laughs) well let me let me help you along uh, what you what you are referring to uh, is probably False Bay or Table Bay or that area. There are lots of great white sharks, but the good news is that they don't come onto land, Eden. Yes. So so if you stay generally out of the ocean, um, the sharks aren't going to do anything to you.
1: Yes, I know. But the thing is, I've had this weird thing <laughs> where ever since I was a child. Any body of water, whether it be a bathtub the swimming pool, any body of water will contain something that shouldn't be in there.
0: (laughs) Well, you can if you wanted to go cage diving. So you get into a cage and you can go under the water and have a look at them.
1: Absolutely not. That's like my worst night. That's my worst fear. Imagine if the cage dropped like in those stupid shark movies. No, 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 no. (laughs) I just stand by land. But is it a good place to visit? Is it a good place like that you somewhere, you know? Yes. Okay, right. Well, it depends.
0: It depends on what you're looking for. Uh, if you're looking to, to be hijacked, then you can go to Johannesburg. Um, <laughs> but if you're looking for great wine and beautiful scenery, you can come down to Cape Town.
1: Okay, right. Noted. And,
0: and <laughs> the sharks won't attack you if you stay on land.
1: Okay. Okay. might be on the way in though. Well, I guess if I fly, but then if the plane goes down, then I'm screwed, aren't I? So anyway, it's fine. I'm sure it'll be okay if I do visit. I won't get eaten. It'll be all right.
0: Well, if you do come to South Africa, I'll take you for lunch.
1: Thank you. Okay. Show me the great wine.
0: Yes. Are you a wine drinker?
1: <laughs> yes. Well, I'm I'm just an alcoholic drinker. Alcohol. Drinker oh. in general,
0: so so where's, your, where's your drink to join no, me? No,
1: because I'm expecting. I'm oh. pregnant. Right? So I have to just yes. stick some water.
0: Yes, yes. It's Congratulations, really by the way.
1: Thank you. Thank now, you.
0: word on the street has it that uh, you are a big fan of abortion and that you will be aborting.
1: Yes, this is exactly what I've been thinking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yeah, I'm a huge fan of abortion. I'm a huge fan of talking about it and running against it.
0: Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's that's a great segue into what it is that you do. So let's start there.
1: Okay. Um so I work as a um it's not even I work my passion is anti-abortion activism um i've worked doing it full-time for three years in the past and uh, i left the organization i was working with earlier this year to help um some friends and i start a new organization called abortion resistance in the uk um so it was an organization that's specifically focused on like not targeting because that sounds like (laughs) a bit a bit propagandary but but basically trying to engage with young people and try to knock down barriers of conversation and be able to engage with young people in a way that promotes the culture of life and helps them to understand um, why abortion is one of the most abhorrent acts in the world and it is killing so many children and hurting so many women and men and families. So, yeah.
0: Is abortion very prevalent in the West or at least in your side of the world?
1: Yes. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's prevalent all over the world, you know. Um I, I mean, I don't know much about the statistics in other countries, but I certainly know that, um, of course, we know about like places like China where they have or they had the one-child policy, where women were forced to abort. They were actually physically tied down, and sterilised, or or made to have an abortion against their will. And um, places like India where sex-selective abortion is very, very high because um, the like there's a cultural preference for male children and. There's also, again, they kind of have that population crisis or food crisis in Indian countries where, you know, you don't want to have that many children. And then over here in the UK, um, it is we have over 200,000 abortions every year. Um, I think it's roughly about uh, just over 500 a day, which is just terrifying. It's flipping terrifying to think that in two days, a thousand babies are being suction starved, poisoned or dismembered to death in their mother's wombs legally. It's just, it's just, yeah, horrendous. But yeah, totally.
0: How do you define abortion?
1: Um, oh, oh, abortion um, is the intentional targeting and killing of an unborn child. Um, uh, that being, yeah, my de- my definition, or the definition of abortion. The, ending uh, of the abortion. reason why I'm
0: asking, the, the reason why I'm asking that is because it's a loaded question, because uh People have these arguments about, well, after after the heart starts beating would be considered a baby. Before that it's nothing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So that's why I'm asking that question.
1: Yeah. It's um it's funny as well, because when you ask people who say about the heartbeat and stuff, they don't usually tend to know when the heart starts beating. Whenever someone says that, I'm like, oh, when does the heart start beating then? And they're like, oh, around 20 weeks. And first question is 20 weeks from what? what are you measuring that 20 week mark from? And the second thing is actually it starts from as early as 16 days after conception. That's like just over two weeks, which is usually when a woman has found out she's pregnant, there's already a heartbeat, which is kind of crazy. So.
0: So aborting would be anything after conception.
1: Anything after, yeah, because that's when a new human life begins. So it's, en- it's ending a human life and in the womb. That is what an abortion is, intentionally ending that human life. And that human life begins with fertilization. So anything past that point is an abortion if it's intentional um, and, yeah.
0: How do you deal with with people who argue that um, – st- in other words, a more, they'll take a morning after pill, for example, or they'll attempt something very quickly after after conception.
1: Yeah, well, th- this one is very, very, this one, again, I've, I this one is something that I really, really, um, I find quite difficult to speak to people about because I think when a woman takes the morning after pill, She's usually not doing it with the intention of, if I'm pregnant, I want to kill this child. I want to have an abortion with this child. Um, it's usually because she's scared of getting pregnant. So it's more of a preventative mindset. Um, but then what I think a lot of women are uneducated on, what they don't understand, is that it does act as an abortive fashion. So if there was a fertilized egg, a, a zygote, a human zygote, which a human child, at its earliest stages, um, it wouldn't allow it to implant into the uterus, which basically just washes it out um and so i don't think it's exactly the same as an abortion because the intention isn't like i need to get rid of this pregnancy it is more i'm trying to prevent it but they don't understand what that preventive measure may include which should be the death or the killing of their child um so yeah
0: how did you arrive at this place
1: um I feel, I feel really sorry for anyone's oh I feel like I say this story over and over again. So um, when I was three, my parents found out that they were expecting and they found out their scanned that their child had a very rare and serious condition called Patel syndrome. So babies who are diagnosed with patel syndrome in the womb usually don't make it up to birth. And if they do, you know, they they live for maybe a couple of hours, if not a couple of days, if the parents are lucky after they're born. So it, it's a it's a it's a disease that, you know. Children die very, very quickly um, after they're born if they make it to birth. And so when my parents found that out, the doctors and medical professionals, the first thing they went to was abortion. Oh, yeah, you should have an abortion. You know, you don't want a child that's suffering. You don't want to have to go through the whole trauma of childbirth just to have a child that dies after. You know, it'd be the most compassionate thing for you to do for this child because, you know, they're not going to have a good quality of life, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and my parents decided that they, well, they, they knew before, anything even happened that they would never that's just not on the cards it wasn't an option for them so they had my sister and she defied the odds she lived till she was almost four years old and she was heavily disabled um she had uh, six fingers and toes, which was kind of cool. Was, I remember, to, like, we used to have to go and get her shoes in, like, Clark's, which is like a shoe shop. And people always used to look and be like, "What on earth?" And they're like fitting her sandals, which was really funny. And um, she was partially blind in one eye. She couldn't walk. She couldn't talk. She couldn't eat properly. She was born with a cleft lip and palate, and um, which she got uh, like sewed up and stuff like that and then she um yeah so she she basically you know she did she spent like a majority like a majority of the time in hospital but she was also you know out and about she was um going to a school with special needs kids um and she was the happiest most joyful child that i've ever met anyway so she lived till she was almost four and when she died there were just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people at her funeral and at this point i was only i think just i was about to turn seven and i was like mom who are all these people And she goes well all of these people here i don't know who most of them are but i know that all of them have been touched and inspired by your sister josephine at some point in their life and i find that that's you know growing up with a, a sister with a disability Disabilities. I was around children with disabilities as well, and they really do. They're so joyful, and they're so loving, and they're so, you know, um, compassionate and kind towards other people. And you know, they don't judge people on how they look or what they're wearing or you know their state in life. They just judge them on whether or not they're kind and good to them, which is, I think, the world needs more people like that. Um, and so, she really shaped my outlook on humanity and how we can find joy and meaning even if we don't have you know the best quality of life or what society deems as a a normal life in quotes so um when i was in my teenage years um i was with a group of my friends i must have been about 13 or 14 and the topic of abortion came up and i hadn't really you know you, you kind of hear it about the place but i didn't know really what it entailed what it meant um and these girls were talking about it and they said oh you know I think that if a child has a is a disabled child then that should definitely be a reason why women would have an abortion and um I was like hang on a second my sister had a disability like she was disabled so like what are you trying to say you think that children like her you know they're better off dead and the girls were like, "Yeah." And I said, what? What? (laughs) And I said, so you're saying that she shouldn't have existed. She shouldn't have even been given a chance at life. Um, And they're like, yeah. And your parents were really selfish for having her. And that for me, I was like, hmm, that doesn't sit right with me. That's a bit extreme. Anyway, so then I um, went back home. I did my research. I found out that in the UK, you can have an abortion up to 24 weeks for any reason. And right up until birth, in the case of a suspected disability now when I say disability that can mean any like a cleft lip and palate that could be a club foot which isn't like a severe disability you know you you can have operations that help your cleft lip and palate um and you can get treatment to help a club foot you know to to try and rectify it and so I was absolutely horrified and I was like this is this is disgraceful and uh, you know I kind of again looked at the statistics found out that you know there are a good amount of abortions that happen just because the child has a disability and especially for something like down syndrome nine out of ten uk babies that are diagnosed with down syndrome in the womb are killed that means for every one person with down syndrome you see nine others have died in the womb have been killed so that's when i kind of started my activism i started volunteering at crisis pregnancy centers um i was outside abortion clinics um, in london went to the march for life and uh yeah that's kind of what spurred me to to get involved just that one conversation i had when i was 13 14.
0: you don't think you don't think an argument can be made though uh that if you know in advance that the kid is going to have a terrible uh terrible life and it's going to cause a lot of trauma for the family and stress and all that sort Mm -hmm. of thing you don't think an argument can be made
1: no I don't I think people can try and make an argument and I can understand it from a compassionate point of view you know you don't really want your children to suffer but what you're saying is the alternative to them having a life of possible suffering again we're not future tellers we don't know what might happen to them or maybe if they even if they will be born with a disability because doctors do get it wrong um but you're basically saying that it is more compassionate for me to kill my child than for them to suffer and be loved and die naturally and I think you know to to say that the most compassionate thing you can do is kill your own child doesn't sound compassionate to me. It sounds pretty messed up. So um, again, I can understand the mentality and especially if people don't see a meaning in suffering or they don't see a way that suffering can be used to inspire other people or, you know, they they don't see it as anything of any value then i can understand why they would come into that but i don't think there is any justification in saying that just because somebody's going to suffer it means that they should die because everybody suffers in life don't they there's not one single person that's ever been born who has no suffering it's just it's just it's just part of being human um, and then to say the whole sorry i thought like i'm just talking and talking and talking about do. so much to say no
0: please talk talk um, away
1: thank you <laughs> Um, and, you know, when people talk about quality of life, it's kind of like, well, you know, how can you say, you know, you're judging what quality of life is based on your own personal standard of what you think a good quality of life is. Everybody's different. You know, my quality of life is going to be completely different to what you think is a good quality of life. So to say that somebody else is not going to have a good quality of life is a really, really um, entitled and, you know, it, it just you what you're, you're putting your Your perception of that your judgment of that onto somebody else and you know you can't do that we can't we can't do that yeah so
0: and i think historically there have been a number of um what's the word handicapped uh individuals who have made significant impact on the world
1: oh yeah Absolutely. You know, I think even if it's not on the whole world, it will be on the world of people they know. Mm. You know, I, I think there are every single person that I've met who's had a disability or who, who that I know of through newspapers or anything like that. You know, anything you have to say about them or you, even their families, they'll say, you know, they're a warrior. They were a fighter till the end. They were so strong. Um, you know, they were, they were so loved and loving. You know, I don't think there's anything really... Bad that i've ever heard i don't know about you guys but i've ever heard that you know somebody with a disability is you know not been inspiring in some way I'm just trying to think but i don't i don't know of anyone
0: how do you deal with the usual argument that well it's uh, it's my body my choice
1: uh, though this argument <laughs> It's so annoying, isn't it? It's like a cliche and it just never goes away. It's getting so old. So there are, I think, lots of different ways that you can argue this. And I actually think the argument of bodily autonomy is probably the most convincing of the pro-abortion arguments. Um, But we know that it's not a woman's body and we know that women you know they don't have 20 fingers 20 toes two heads you know we know that from the moment of fertilization is a distinct living and whole human being it's distinct it has its own unique genetic makeup completely different of that of its parents you can take a tiny bit of that dna and tell everything you need to know about that human the eye color the hair color i think some scientists can even predict how tall they'll be when they reach adulthood um it's living you know it's growing again you measure the weeks from the fer- the point of fertilization well i guess it depends on whether or not you're talking about gestational period or like pregnancy period because i found this out recently actually which i didn't know since i've become pregnant is that rather than measure from conception date which is two weeks after the, the first day of your period usually in a healthy cycle they measure it from the first day of your last period which I didn't know but anyway you know what I mean so they measure it from the point of fertilization um, and you know we know that it's living and it's growing um, and then it's whole and that nothing needs to be added or taken away to it away from it to make it more or less human it you know it's fully human it just needs what everybody needs food shelter time to grow and um, and so from the, the kind of my body my choice argument it's it's one that again everybody uses but we we can't use our bodies for any choice that we want that's why we have laws that's why you're not allowed to drink and drive yes it's your body but in that case your choice is restricted so when your choice is to start harming or doing something that will negatively impact or kill another human being that choice needs to be restricted um and i always say that you know you guys you, you're law-abiding citizens right but you, you understand that somebody's restricting your choice because it's for the benefit of another person or other people and so it's the same case with um with pregnancy you know if that choice is to harm or to kill your unborn child that is a choice that 100 percent needs to be restricted because at the end of the day it isn't your body at all maybe within your body in the womb but it's not your body Mur- and again, from, yeah, pardon? No, no, go on. <laughs> I was going to say, and even like when they talk about bodily autonomy, what about the bodily autonomy of the unborn? You know, it's just, it, yeah. So, sorry, interrupted you.
0: <laughs> no, no, I interrupted you. Would you call it murder?
1: That is a very interesting question. I don't call it murder um, for a number of reasons, which I can tell you.
0: Hmm.
1: So, I don't call it murder because the definition of murder is the lawful, the unlawful, ending of an innocent human life so in we know in the uk abortion is lawful so i usually won't say the word murder because you'll get the pro-aborts being like "Ah, ah, you think words are important but you're using this definition and you're taking it and you're using it in a different way so i would always just say it's homicide another reason why i don't really like to use the word murder is because i um I recognize that if somebody if a woman is post-abortive and she's really hurting she won't want to open up to somebody who she thinks is calling her a murderer and so I would always again I'd say it's killing and again it's kind of speaking the truth of love you say it's killing because that's what it is and you can say that in a loving way which sounds a bit weird but you can you know it that because that's what it does um and again it's kind of homicide because um yeah, in, in this case, it's it's sadly lawful. But when it's made illegal, which eventually it will be, then yes, it will be murder.
0: So there's an interesting analogy. Uh, where they make the argument that uh, the baby is part of the mother, then you could be arguing that an old person on a ventilator is part of the hospital, which is very obviously not the case.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It actually really frustrates me when people try to... Uh, compare pregnancy to organ donation because they're completely different things. Um, Pregnancy is something unlike any other thing we have in the world you know it's 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 completely unique scenario and so to try and say that it's like somehow in like donating your organ or anything like that is just it really frustrates me and because you're not donating your organ you know your womb the womb the uterus is solely naturally biologically designed and created to house an unborn child that's its only purpose it's not there for the woman it does nothing for the woman apart from like her cycle which is again Mm. all about procreation um and so you know just to, to say that it's the same as you know putting a kidney in someone or you know it, it's just it doesn't make any sense and um it's not comparable they're not they're just not the same thing so
0: have you heard the argument that a baby is a parasite
1: yes <laughs> yes <laughs> Um, which I think is also well, like how dehumanizing can people be? And I've asked women who've said that. I've been like, right, but you have kids, so you're basically telling me that at one point they're a parasite. Yes, but it, it
0: doesn't even fit the definition of parasite.
1: Yeah, I know. It's like a, it's like a, I think, isn't it? One species or organism living off the host of a different species or organism. Yeah, yeah. I it's know. not, and
0: it's also not symbiotic, as as it turns yeah. out. Mm.
1: It's honestly, it's just shocking. It's like the level that people go to, and I just wonder if people who say those kinds of things, do they, like, do, do they understand what they're saying? Do they understand how it comes across and how, how the lengths that they're going to to try and justify killing someone just to call them a parasite? That would be like calling somebody with a disability a parasite or a newborn baby who's dependent on its parents a parasite. It's really bad. Yeah.
0: Oh, but Eden, what about rape?
1: um okay so with the um the topic of rape I mean if anyone who's listening has ever had any conversation with anyone about abortion, they'll know that the very, 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 very first thing that's brought up is the topic or the um, circumstance of rape and incest. And it's not even just normal rape and incest. It's usually the rape and incest of an eight year old girl who's been taken away by five uncles and six men. And you know, it's like the most bizarrely crazy scenario that they can think of a really, really emotional one that is gonna be very difficult to answer, um, without them accusing you of sounding discompassionate. Discompassionate is that a word? Noncompassionate,
0: uncompassionate. No. Anyway, un- so, uncompassionate. Now you. Un- now, now, now I'm confused. What is the right word? Is it
1: Discompassionate?
0: Uncompassionate. And no. now, I'm also getting a blank. Okay, no. let's go. Let's go with. Un. Uncompassion. i really. am confused now. What is the right word? Now I'm. I want to look it up quickly. Hold okay. on because <laughs> <laughs> now i've I've also hit a blank and what is it uncompassionate. uncompassionate i think yeah hold on yeah
1: because i mean un is not isn't
0: it yes i think it yes uncompassionate there we uncompassionate.
1: go Uncompassionate. okay right cool i got it wrong the first one but that's fine we got there in the end so the first thing i will always say to somebody who brings this up is what that is a really disingenuous way to start this conversation you are taking the extremely rare tiny minute scenario and you are um generalizing it to try and justify the whole of the reasons that people have abortions now in the uk over 98 percent of abortions and it's been that way consistently for decades have been for social reasons you know elective abortions because the woman just doesn't want the child for, for various reasons um and then the other 1% is disability um having an abortion due to rape or incest i mean it's just it's just such a minority that to start a conversation that way is just disingenuous and i always say as well you know you're taking something that's so traumatic and such an abhorrent thing for anyone to go through especially a woman um, and you're again trivializing it to try and justify and push your ideology which is really really insensitive especially to people who have been raped and have been in that situation so that's how i always start it. you know um you know please you know you need to realize that you're trying to weaponize this thing to just to just suit your position um but then i would kind of go on to say that although rape is such a terrible act of violence committed on the body of an innocent human being it, abortion is also a terrible act of violence committed on the body of an innocent human being and i hate both acts for the same reason and um, which is that reason um you know as as terrible and as traumatic as that is for a woman to go through um killing somebody because of the way that they were conceived or because of the crimes of their parents is not just Um, And rather than try and push abortion as a solution to rape, which it's not, it doesn't solve rape, it doesn't unrape a woman, it's not going to take away any of her trauma, um, to push that as some kind of solution is not only showing that you don't care about the woman, but also not recognising that women, you know, they need more support rather than just saying you should just have an abortion and get it over and done with. um, And you'll never have to, you know, think about the rape again, because that's not how it works. And you know there are stories of these of women who have been raped and had had their babies, and they've you know said that the the babies literally saved their lives because otherwise they would have committed suicide. And then you have stories of people who were conceived in rape who literally have to hear every single day that they don't deserve to exist. And I'll never forget I was talking to my brother's friend. My brothers are a bit younger than me; they're about 18, and he was saying how. He was like, oh yeah, because he was he's pro-abortion in the case of rape, and he was saying how, oh yeah, 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 and imagine if you were like, imagine if you if if your your dad raped your mum and you knew that and you grew up in the world, like imagine how bad you would feel. And I said, well, the, the only reason why they feel bad is because people like you are constantly telling them they shouldn't exist you know so it's really really damaging and harmful and it, it's not a pro-woman ideology it's not a pro-woman position to take and it's definitely not like a pro-equality position to take especially from people who bang on about equality and then are happy to sit there advocating for human dismemberment it's just yeah it's really bad and you know it, people will say that sounds really discompassionate discompassionate or uncompassionate
0: <laughs> and- Uncompassionate.
1: Uncompassionate, thank you. It sounds really uncompassionate for you to say that. But then I always say as well, you know, you have to put yourself in my shoes. You're pro-abortion. You don't think the unborn are alive. You don't think they're human. I think they are. So if you had my position and you believe that the unborn were human, because that's what science tells us, um, wouldn't you have the same position as me? And they usually say, yes, actually, I would. If I, if that's what I genuinely believed, then, yeah, I'd, I'd have that view. And it's like, right, well, you can understand where I'm coming from then. It's not a place of... I think women should suffer. It's a place of mm. I value both lives equally and they need to both be protected.
0: Are there any exceptions?
1: No. <laughs> there are no exceptions. What if um, the mother
0: What if the mother is going to die?
1: Okay. So in that case, um, I wouldn't say that that was an abortion because the intention isn't for the sole purpose of um of, of killing the unborn child. The sole purpose of anything in that regard would be to save the life of the mother. So for example, if a woman has cancer and she needs urgent chemotherapy and the chemotherapy has a possibility of you know killing her unborn child and she chooses to have the chemotherapy, it wouldn't be considered an abortion because the sole um, purpose of administering that chemotherapy treatment wouldn't be to kill her unborn baby, it would be to save her life. Or in the case of an ectopic pregnancy where the um, the zygote or the embryo implants itself in the fallopian tube and not in the womb it will die anyway it is going to die if it's not in the womb and so they have to remove it because otherwise if it's not removed it will kill the mother so in that circumstance again the sole intention is to save the life of the mother rather than targeting and killing the unborn child and in a situation where again the woman's life is in danger if both lives are going to die You know, it's unjust to let both die. You have to, you have to, you have to save one. Um, And so, you know, I think even in childbirth in countries that don't have as advanced medicine um, uh, available to them as you know we might have, um, you know, in, in that case it's such a hard one, but if, if it's like between the mother and the child, you have to pick one, you know, you can't let the mother die in childbirth and the child die in childbirth because you haven't either removed the child or, you know, y- you know, so yeah, it's, they're really tough scenarios, but again, I wouldn't, I would, that's not, I wouldn't class that as an abortion because the intention isn't the same.
0: What about the conversation that often comes up about miscarriages?
1: So, i think it's a shame because people tend to in this country a miscarriage is referred to by medical professionals as a spontaneous abortion now as soon as somebody hears the word abortion they automatically think of you know this the standard abortion um and so i think it's actually a really damaging term to women who have had miscarriages because they kind of may, it may make them feel like it was their fault, you know, that was something their body chose, you know, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think there's some confusion there as well. And and another thing is, if a woman does miscarry, and she's further along, and the um, the fetal or embryonic remains haven't exited her body naturally, they would go in and do a, a DNC, which is like they would have to um, cure at the inside of her womb to get all the baby's body parts out so that she doesn't get infected and die because the baby's already dead. But that's also a surgical... Abortion procedure where they would go in and they'd pull the baby's body parts and then cure the inside of the womb to to remove the baby's body parts, but have having killed it beforehand. So because the procedures are similar in that they're they're scraping out the, the the contents, the baby's body of the uterus, people seem to think that a DNC after a miscarriage is the same as a DNC abortion, when it's not because the baby's already naturally died. So. It, it's something that, sh- that shouldn't be confused, and it often is. Um, and they think that pro-lifers want to stop women who have miscarried from, you know, getting the treatment that they need. And it's like, no, that is absolutely not the case. And if you spoke to anyone who was pro-life, they would tell you that it's not the case. Um, you know, it's not the same thing because the baby's already naturally passed away. Um, so that there is a difference.
0: Um, do I, as a guy, have a say?
1: Yes. And this is something as well that I think is such a shame for men these days, because the reason why I think most women have abortions is because of the lack of support from their their partners. Um, And I think that men really feel like they're not allowed to say anything on this issue if they're pro-life or even if they're pro-choice, they just have to sit back and be like, whatever you want. Um, And it's so, so important for good, strong pro-life male voices Um, to be public about this issue Um, and they're inevitably going to be told no uterus no opinion (laughs) but to be honest the people who say that they don't want to give you an opinion anyway as soon as you're pro-life it doesn't matter they'll say no uterus no opinion or you have a uterus but mind your own business you know you can't win so um, men definitely should have a say and they should speak up about it because um, you know abortion is a human rights injustice, and so you don't The only thing you need to be to have an opinion on a human rights and justice is human. And I said this to you the other day, I am not a slave, I've never owned one, I've never been a slave owner. Oh, that's the same thing. Never mind. It's fine. Uh, we move. <laughs> but I can have an opinion on slavery. And, you know, I, I've never been to South Africa um, or seen a shark, but I can have an opinion on sharks and I can have an opinion. On well, that's not really an injustice, though, but sharks kind of are. I, I mean, they shouldn't exist. But, <laughs> um, you know, there's a, any any human rights injustice. you'd say that you're allowed to say, I'm not a vegan, but I can have an opinion on uh, what I think about veganism or about the way animals are treated. Um, so to say that you just simply because you don't have one organ or, you know, it's like you can't you can't have a say on this is just completely ludicrous. And again, like it does. It's nothing to do with you being a male. It's just the fact they want to shut you up because you're anti-abortion. So when people try and shut you up, you just have to speak louder, in my opinion.
0: OK, but just to summarize what you just said, Eden, <laughs> uh, you're you're anti-abortion until it comes to shocks.
1: Oh, that is... Do you know what? I might have to give in to that one. Yes, kill the sharks. <laughs> All of them.
0: <laughs> so, actually, what you're telling me is that you actually are pro-abortion. Yes,
1: for sharks, <laughs> in some <laughs> In extreme cases, the necessary cases. No, I do feel a bit bad for sharks, because they have a bad rap. It's like spiders. You know, they're mm. just trying to live their lives, and then people hate on them. But they are so ugly. And imagine being eaten by a fish. How embarrassing. Oh, I think
0: I think sharks are actually quite beautiful. Crocodiles, however.
1: Yeah, crocodiles are disgusting as well. But th- there's something about sharks. There's something about... I don't know. It's just they're a fish. It's such an unnatural thing. They're a fish. <laughs> they're a big fish and they're trying to eat people. It's like, you know, it's kind of like the food chain has been unbalanced. Imagine being eaten by a fish. We're supposed to eat
0: the fish. Well, you could be eaten by a lizard <laughs> and that's a crocodile. Uh, you know, a crocodile only ever looks good when it's a handbag.
1: Yes, I've actually never seen a crocodile handbag, but I can imagine they're quite nice. <laughs> they're, they're violent, those creatures. They are really vicious.
0: They're not very pleasant. Um, but let's let's go back to, to, <laughs> to our chat about abortion. Of humans. <laughs>
1: oh, yes. Oh.
0: Um, something you haven't mentioned, and I'm just wondering what your opinion is. Do you think that uh, abortion also has psychological impact?
1: Oh, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. So I work, um, I do some volunteer work for a, a helpline in the UK, um, and I, we get actually calls from all around the world. And it's a post-abortion helpline so people can call and uh, they'll speak to someone like me who's a befriender, who've been trained and will basically help them, you know, put them in touch with counsellors and stuff like that, um, free of charge, everything like that. So it's basically a recovery care helpline. And let me tell you, the calls that you receive regularly, it's absolutely just heartbreaking honestly it just like even thinking about it now it just make me cry because the psychological impacts it has on so many women and the women that call always ask is this normal you know do you is this helpline busy do other people call here do you know people have the same reactions that i have and you have to say yes it's much more common than you think and so many women are like why was i not told and men actually 10 percent of callers are men why weren't we told about the psychological impacts that this is going to have on us the emotional toll um and 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 the amount of people who've called and said and literally quote like said this has ruined my life that my abortion has ruined my life it is astounding and i really think that that's something that society doesn't see and post abortive women are too scared to come out because you have pro-abortion people saying post-abortion trauma isn't a thing you're trying to shut them down and then you have some pro-lifers who i think are just awful who would shame them and say you're disgusting you know you've killed your child like how dare you how could you Or oh, you've had what two you know three you know shame on you so it's a really really scary Scary thing to get into if you're a post of woman with your story of, you know, maybe grief or the way that it's hurt you psychologically and emotionally. Um, and I think we really need to work on getting a space where they can come out and tell their stories because courage calls courage. Um, it's one of my favourite things, yeah, favourite things, favourite quote <laughs> to say. Um, so as soon as one person steps up and can be courageous and see that they're not going to get attacked, then other other women will come forward too. And hopefully it will just be like um what's that thing of like a rolling down the hill ball of ball rolling down the hill effect a snowball snowball mm. effect there we go Snowball. Um, yes a snowball effect and you know many many women will come out and hopefully be heard by other women who will then not have abortions because they understand what it's done It's really sad. So I think, yeah, it has a huge impact. Not everyone and not always straight away. There are some people who call the helpline who call 50 years after abortion or, you know, 70 years after the abortion. Some call the next day, some call 10 years down the line or when they see when it's the anniversary of their abortion, 10 years that, you know, it really depends on when that's going to hit. But it often does. And Mm. it's basically being there for them when it does hit. Uh, and I, I think as well. Sorry. No, no,
0: no, no, no. <laughs> please, no, 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 no. Um, Go on. You know,
1: you, you, the people who are very, very, very angry about this issue, who pro-abortion people, usually, and I get this from my from Louise, who I'm giving her a shout out because she's amazing. She does a lot of work with the helpline. She has, actually runs it, and she does a lot of young pro-life pro-life work with young people. But she always says that usually angry people are hurting people and it's so true you know when I when we've done street outreach the people that come over there fuming they're like literally like seething at the mouth and fo- foaming at the mouth and seething <laughs> and um you find out that they've had an abortion, and you can just calm them down by just listening to hear what they have to say. You know, helping them understand you don't think they're a bad person, um, and usually all that anger's come because they're you know in grief because they're they're hurting inside, um, and usually you know what as well, men. I think personally, from my experience, men are the worst. Pro-choice men are the most angry horrendous, harassing people that there are. And I think because the man is psychologically um, built, wired to protect, you know, to want to protect, and they've gone against that basic primal instinct that they have to protect their offspring, I think it screws them up majorly in the head um, because they've gone against that and they they know it deep down, but they can't even admit it because also pride, (laughs) you know? Mm. So it's really, really sad.
0: I think, I think what you're saying has lots and lots of truth to it, uh, and I'm just wondering: Do you think that abortion has become fashionable because of the ultra-liberalisation of society?
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Fashionable, <sighs> fashionable.
0: Because, because, for example, it's so easy now to abort.
1: Yeah, it's so easy. I. D- I don't know if I'd say fashionable, but I definitely think it's become more, well, it definitely has become more prominent because we know that abortion numbers are rising every year in lots of different countries and because and because it is so accessible, but it's almost like it's been that there That We know the pro-abortion lobby has always tried to normalize abortion, even though it is the most abnormal, unnatural thing in the world. That's what they've really pushed for, to make it become normal. And I think with the help of social media, with, with TV shows pushing it and everything like that, People do think that's normal, and you know, you always hear like Mary Stokes and B Pass, who are the UK's largest abortion providers, saying, you know, one in four women will have an abortion in their lifetime. You know, trying to make it out like it's a normal thing, and this is every, you know, everyone has this experience. Um, So I think it's, but yeah, it's become normalised. And then once it's once one a woman's had one abortion, it's probably going to be easier for her to have more. Not just because. not just because of the access but because of also what it does to the the brain and the trauma response will be often too i don't know if i mentioned this the other day to you but they'll you know tend to kind of go and repeat and that's a cycle that they'll you know find it very hard to break just because that's how trauma works um so yes i think it's become more widely uh accepted because they've tried to make it out like it's a normal thing that every woman has to go through just like a smear test just like a breast check you know just yeah
0: do you think eden that um a lot of this has to do with um the degradation of morals and values Hmm.
1: yes i yes um I do i think people i think now that that especially among young people like the concept of morality is just like they don't they don't get it and i was talking to someone the other day absolutely lovely person and we were talking about serial killers right and i was kind of like oh the serial killer brain is like whoa wouldn't you love to kind of you know get to the bottom of that and they were like oh well you know morality is (laughs) subjective Sorry. So now we're sitting here being like, oh, well, serial killers, you know, they're not that, you know, it's like, what, what, what is going on? You know, if we can actually try and like say that something a serial killer does is uh, like acceptable, then of course we can say that abortion is acceptable. You know what I mean? So I just think that there's kind of this whole morality subjective, whatever you want to do, whatever makes you happy, because we've kind of made ourselves our own gods. You know, we're not selfless, generous people anymore. We are the center of our own universes and Anything we say goes. If it's going to impact my life, I don't want to have anything to do with it. And um, you know, p- people don't people don't want to make any kind of take any. I don't know. It's yeah. It does. Yeah. Okay. So this is a really long winded way of saying yes. I think it has to do with the lack of morals and degradation of society. And I just <laughs> just dragged it out.
0: <laughs> I'm asking because I I actually think that I think that uh, one of the root causes is. Um, <clears throat> the loss of foundational values. It's exactly mm-hmm. what you just said. Anything goes. I mean, the year is twenty twenty two, Eden, and we are asking, what is a woman?
1: I know, I know, but we're, uh, we're there's, oh, yeah, I know, but we're even we're, we're even in questioning whether or not paedophiles should be called paedophiles and whether or not it should just be called minor attracted. Do you know what I mean? Like, what's the world come to? What's going on? Something like we need to shake up. Something is.
0: What was that term that they use? That I'm, no, person. no, not that term. The other one that I'm seeing now for, for mothers. What? Uh, uh,
1: birthing people.
0: Birthing people.
1: What? Yeah. Which, again, it just – it, it uh, and this isn't something that I usually talk about. So, you know, if you're hearing this, this is like one off me because I usually only stick <laughs> to abortion. But it's so um, it's so insulting to women, to people, like to, to people, to – yeah, to people who have to, to
0: do that. It's but insulting I mean, it's to so birthing that. people. It's insulting yeah, it's to birthing to people. people.
1: <laughs> Sorry, I, I forget that people can see me. Um yeah, no, it's it's really insulting and it's the same with people chest feeding. That is just like you know, it's a knock it's a punch in the face and a slap in the face to every woman who's ever existed to then say that this is something that anyone can do. Because it's not. It's trust me, it is not. <laughs> Yeah. And you I mean another th- another I thing that
0: start. No, no, it's all fine. Um <laughs> another thing that I was wondering about is it seems like it's an attack on women just in general. They absolutely hate women and they want to remove women from the equation.
1: Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, and it's funny because I was talking to somebody, a friend of mine who's religious, and I, we were kind of talking about this whole thing and like women and, you know, how it's kind of getting a bit ridiculous now because the feminists are now fighting for men to try and say that they're women, but erasing f- females in general whilst doing it, which is, you know, anti-feminist. um and they were saying how, because th- th- they were religious, they were saying how it kind of get, gets back to the Garden of Eden, lol. Um, where, again, it was like the attack on women was the very first thing that the devil, if that's something that you believe in, went after. And now it's happening again um, in society is that, that, you know, they were saying, like, the devil hates women. And so I thought it was a very interesting point to, that they made when we were having that conversation um, and I hadn't really thought about anything like that before. So it was interesting. But yeah, it depends on what you believe in. But I thought that was a interesting point.
0: Michelle, who's watching right now, she says, abortion has become an option, which it never was before it was legislated.
1: Yeah, totally because and this is another thing that people say, oh, if you ban abortion, there'll be just as many abortions but they'll just be unsafe, which we know is not true because when something's illegal, people are less likely to do it. And when something's not an option that you can just call up somewhere and say, "Oh, let me get pills delivered to my house so I can abort my child," um when that's not available, they, they, they probably won't do that. You know that, that they they won't be able to because they won't have access to. And so it has. It's just become another option. Just like, yeah, just 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 it's just on the cards. It's, and it's really sad because when I rang up to tell my doctor that I was pregnant, the first thing they said it wasn't even a congratulations. It was just like, oh, um, uh, uh, so how do you want to proceed? Mm. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what, what does that mean? And so that was how it was presented to me. It wasn't congratulations, that's wonderful news, you know, how it would have been um, maybe previously. It was just like, what do you want to do?
0: It's probably because there's this new politically correct agenda to uh, depopulate, for example.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, the whole overpopulation scare, and I say that in quotes, um, which is not true, and we know it's not true, mm. and that's a scientific thing that's been proven to be false and that we're not overpopulated there isn't going to be some crisis Mm. and in fact now we're in a declining population and i think mass like newspapers have come out and said this that we're in big trouble if we don't start having more babies but it's complete nonsense pardon
0: it's complete nonsense
1: yeah, yeah. And again, it's just fear-mongering. You know, the media love to do it. They're doing it all the time with literally every single thing that goes mm-hmm. on. It's some kind of scare where we need to be doing something or other to make I flew money.
0: I flew between Johannesburg and Cape Town last week. Uh, it's about a two-hour flight. Mm-hmm. And easily 99% of the land beneath me was either farm or empty.
1: I know you drive like 10 minutes up Croydon which is South London and it's like yeah the same it's just trees bushes and like I always joke to my husband I'm like oh gosh look how overpopulated we are look all these people kind of move mm. you know it's like it's just it's just yeah it's complete nonsense and look at China as well I'm sorry but China's in big trouble my mum actually has this <laughs> My mum has this theory where, because in China and India, get this, there are 70 million more men than women due to sex-selective abortion and gendercide after the baby's born, right? 70 million more men. There's going to be some issues going on in that country. So my mum thinks that one day all the Chinese and Indian men are going to come and invade other countries and take their women. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) mum. But who knows? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. But that's a huge issue. And that that yeah, it's a huge issue. Poor Chinese guys. <laughs>
0: what do guys. you think should happen to mothers who abort?
1: Um, so well, I think when abortion becomes illegal, which it eventually will, hopefully by that point we will have such a had such a cultural shift where people are now you know they are promoting the culture of life so hopefully like women won't abort but i think when it does become illegal because eventually it will um Mm -hmm. i think that women who do seek abortions i don't think they should be prosecuted um because usually when a woman seeks an abortion it's because of um she feels it's like a her, it's a her only choice and so many women have said that that i've spoken to through the helpline I, I i literally did not think i had any other option um and i think the people who should be prosecuted and should be punished are abortionists because they know exactly what they're doing uh, they understand when human life begins and if they if they don't um no they no, they do understand when human life begins but they choose to do what they're doing um when you do a surgical abortion you have to account for all the baby's body parts so they're ripping out these babies out and putting their bodies on trays um to count their body parts and if you like if that you know if you can do that as a job and get paid for that and live like they need a slap on the chin bigger than that but yeah, I think, they're, I think they're, they I think they that I I actually really struggle to be charitable and to be mm. respectful or to sure. speak about respectfully because they, they disgust me.
0: <laughs> okay, but you're making you're making excuses now for the mother. Then what should happen in those instances?
1: I think in the instances if abortion was illegal a woman sought to get an abortion they would really need to sit down and evaluate why is it her partner's pressuring her does she feel like she has no way out of finances does she um is she in the right mental state because a lot of times pregnancy does crazy hormonal things to the brain chemical things go on um it's not just straight and forward when a woman is pregnant she is not in the same mindset as she is when she's not pregnant and no matter what situation you are, you're in as comfortable as you are if you you've got everything around you you will always have some anxiety and worry and stress you know it's just it it, it, just, it, it does it alters it alters you and it alters how you think and me i'm in you know the most the best position i could be to have a child and even me i'm stressing out and worrying so i think we you know it's quick to say oh women but when a woman is pregnant she's not always She's she, you just it's you, just, you can't even comprehend it. I can't even explain it, but if a woman's has pregnant, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. Um, so I think there'd have to be a serious evaluation as to her reasons because I think that there is a very, very, very tiny, tiny, tiny minority people, minority group of people, if there are any who actually have an abortion for a malicious reason because they just want to kill their baby. Usually, there is some underlying problem that needs to be addressed or that's pushing them to, to, to think that that's their only way out. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, again, I really, really, really doubt that there are women out there who, who do it because they think, you know, because they enjoy it or because they like it. And um, again, when you've had one abortion, you'll never understand the trauma that goes on in a woman's brain. Um, and I, I, t- I said, I think I told you this story when i was on tnt but um there's an amazing woman that i know over here and she runs a um a retreat called rachel's vineyard which if anybody's listening and have suffered after an abortion experience then i highly recommend you to find a rachel's vineyard in your area and go to it. it's a retreat where you can find healing and kind of walk through the grief journey she herself had two abortions and she um after her second abortion uh, the the abortionist perforated her uterus so she was no longer able to have children And um, she says, thank God that that happened. Thank God I was made infertile because I know that if I had become pregnant again, I would have had another one because that's how the trauma cycle works. So I think it's such a, it's such a complex thing. Um, And there are so many side effects that it's really, really difficult to say this woman did this maliciously. This woman, you know, intentionally went out just to kill her child because she thought it was, because she wanted, she liked it. Um, And I think that I don't think it's just if somebody's not in the correct way of thinking, or if they feel like it's the only way out to to prosecute someone or jail them for that, you know.
0: Let me throw a philosophical thought experiment at you.
1: Is this is this a devil's advocate? Yes. <laughs> okay. Good. Okay.
0: <laughs> I want to. I want you to think.
1: Okay. Hit me.
0: <laughs> what if Stalin were aborted?
1: No, you can't abort someone who's innocent, even if you know they're going to turn out to be Stalin. He hasn't committed any crimes yet. You can kill him once he's Stalin, once he's committed his crimes. Sure, I don't care. Um, I shouldn't really say that, but I actually don't really care. I think, you know, if somebody's if somebody's mass murdering on a scale and you need to kill them to stop them, then you just need to kill them to stop them. Um, But, yeah, I've thought about that one, and the answer would be no, you can't abort someone if, before they've committed a crime because it's unjust. It's not ethical. It's not moral, and morality matters. <laughs> Get that on a t-shirt. <laughs> what would you say to that?
0: <laughs> I don't know, but your answer was very good.
1: Okay. okay. So
0: I think I think your answer was somewhat convincing. I must be honest.
1: Okay, I'm I'm happy. I'm t- I'll take that.
0: <laughs> All right, Eden. Um, yes. In front of you there's a crystal ball what do you see
1: oh i see sharks i'm joking (laughs) eliminated by the dozen (laughs) um (laughs) i see a pro-life pro-woman future i see the world getting a shake up in some way or another um i don't know what that will be but there will be something because i don't believe evil ever wins i really just don't believe that so justice will come about, and the culture will shift, and they will eventually start valuing life and valuing all lives as equal, and not trying to kill some. And then it will become illegal, and there'll be no more abortionists in the world. And that's it. Be happy. And then I'll. And then I'll. And then I'll never have to do this again. And it's going to happen in my lifetime. You know, it's going to happen. In my, it has to. I have to. Why? <laughs> Why? i'd be so gutted can you imagine if i just didn't see an end to abortion that is so peak that's like years and hours and hours and hours of my life but even if it doesn't and it happens in my next in my like my children's generation it's okay i can I, i'll deal with that but mm. ideally in my lifetime because then my kids i won't have to make my kids activists that way they can just you know be free <laughs> yeah. where
0: can i find you
1: Um, You can find me personally on my Twitter and Instagram and TikTok at Eden McCourt. And then you can find abortion resistance which is the one that i'd advise to follow because that, that's all the juicy content and um, that's abortionresistance.org.uk and on all social media platforms and telegram it's at abortion so you should definitely check out our social media platforms if you haven't anyone who's listening and if you want to donate you can because we would love that because we're always in need of some cash <laughs> and yes
0: Eden McCourt, thank you for joining me in, not the trenches this time, but the shark cage.
1: (laughs) Yes, never again. I'm joking. (laughs) It It didn't sink, so we're fine. No, thank you so much for having me on again. And maybe another time soon. And maybe next time you can come on our podcast when I get some better equipment.
0: My name is Germ. This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. If
1: you enjoyed this podcast. Please visit supportgerm.com.